it's just the icing on the cake whenever you whenever you're at, do a song that you wrote or that you recorded and, and you poured your heart and soul into it and then people loved it enough to to first of all learn the words and then second of all buy a ticket to your show and then sing it back to you I mean, it's just that's it that's what it's all about welcome to the gary scott thomas show here's what we know the podcast with unexpected conversations. Listen each week as we engage in unscripted conversations where we'll be just as surprised as you will be with where the dialogue goes. So join us each week and be privy to the captivating conversations that are sure to ensue. Here's your host, Gary Scott Thomas. Here's something I bet y'all didn't know. Craig Campbell has a coffee shop. I do. And I'm here now. <laughs> Come on now. Tell everybody the name of your coffee shop. So when y'all go outside of Nashville and you're looking for some Java, here's what you're looking for. Yeah, you come you come see me. Come see me at Grindstone Cowboy. Grindstone. And if I'm if I'm not on the road and if I'm not writing a song, I'm here. So uh, actually I'm here right now working, doing some some uh honeydew stuff. And, and yeah, come see me. How many committee meetings did it take to come up with that name? Actually, the name came first. Um, I thought about it, and, and it just—I thought, man, that'd be a great name for a coffee shop. And you know, and if you'd asked me right then and there about, you know, do you think you'll ever own a coffee shop? I'd have probably said no. But uh, just man, it, it's a long story, but it—it's uh, it worked out. Is there? Can you think of any uh, anybody? I, I can come up with a couple of names, but anybody who was as big a star as Glenn Campbell that has sadly kind of gotten forgotten. You know, honestly, and and it, it, I guess it's just just because it was before before I was really kind of getting into music. Uh, I didn't know how big of a deal he was until I did I did an interview the other uh, I say the other day. It's been a, uh, about a year ago uh, at the Glen Campbell Museum here in Nashville, and man, I just was walking around and looking at all the things that he has done and the show and the the songs and the records he's played on. It's just Glenn Campbell is a big deal. Uh, I'm, I'm like, I, I did not know that uh, until recently. I can tell you, when I was growing up, I don't know. I, I think that there was one moment in time that Glenn Campbell could have been the most famous singer in music. And not just country music. I mean in music. No, I get it, because he, he, he covered a lot of genres, and he, uh, and he you know, he... He had more number ones than, than people recognize as well. You know, even even Rhinestone Cowboy. I guess some people some people would say that was might have been one of his hits, but I don't think it was his biggest hit. Oh Lord, no! I mean, you still go back and go back to the Jimmy Webb stuff. I mean, when you sit back and go with Jim, Glenn Campbell, you start with "By the Time I Get to Phoenix." That's where you start. Yeah. Right. right. And then and you go from there and then to the one of my top five country songs of all time. If I had to make a list. It is Wichita Lineman. Yeah, it's so good. It's very good. You know, and for you, if you've got a voice and you've got a voice, I'm not trying to embarrass you. I know you've had to cover that. That's got to be a fun song for for if you can sing to sing it. Man, I tell you, I, I've never covered any Glenn Campbell songs. It's it's and it's again, it goes back to I wasn't exposed to Glenn Campbell music growing up. Um so I was I didn't know anything about Glenn or his music until I, after I got to Nashville. Dude, I want you more than need you, and I need you for all time. <laughs> that that right there, that's the, to me, that's Glenn Campbell. And and he started off like you. You guys have a a, a a a kindred spirit. He was a session guy. 
He was a session museum musician. You know, he played on a ton of Beach Boys songs. Right. Yeah. And that's what I meant by, you know, when I was at his at that museum, I, there was a lot of that stuff that I didn't know. I knew he played on some big records, but I mean, I, it, the list is, yeah, it's, he's, he's definitely, sadly, is a, is a secret to, uh, to what he's done in, for the music business and the music industry itself. There is a documentary, if you ever get a chance to pull it up, called The Wrecking Crew. Right? I've heard about it. The Wrecking Crew was this group of studio musicians that played in Los Angeles. And they played on almost every pop song in the world. Because, you know, you may love your band, but you don't know if you want your band to be on the record for all time. And so the studio is going, hey, we're putting a lot of money. So they would bring in all of these amazing hitters to come in and play on all of these hits. And Glenn Campbell was one of those guys. Yeah. No, I'm... I've read up on it, and it's uh, he's definitely yeah. Again, he's he's a bigger deal than a lot of people uh, remember him for. Well, yeah, okay, because I grew up in that in that era. What what were the people that that got you going? Man, I want to sing. When you sit back and you think about the song or the artist, is there was there a particular song like I can tell you right now? Big Bad John from Jimmy Dean was the first one that I can go. Oh man, that's so cool. Uh, um. I would say it was more a collection of songs that got me fired up. My first two cassettes that I bought with my own money, because growing up, I, I was, my mom and my stepdad were very big, you know, Southern gospel, um, Southern Baptist, you know, that's all we had. That's all, we, that's all I was exposed to. So when I was able to go out and just buy my own thing, I, I bought the uh, Clint Black Killing Time cassette. And then I bought the uh, Tracy Lawrence Sticks and Stones cassette. And those two records put me, I mean, just changed my life. The song I hear in the background that's playing at the Grindstone Cowboy right now, Sean Conley, Rose Colored Glasses. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's yeah. what we play Grindstone, man. We play the good stuff. Yeah, Grindstone, I mean, they're good. Again, that would be my list. Again, if I had to have a list, and I, I don't know if I could put it top five, but it'd be top 20. It'd be top 20 rose-colored glasses. And, you know, John and I have a kindred spirit because he started off as a DJ, which so many of them did back then. You know, Whispering Bill Anderson, John Conley. They were all radio guys who were really failed musicians. <laughs> well, John John ended up turning out, turned out to be all right. Yeah, he's a... Have you had a chance to like get to meet some of those people and get any of their stories? Because they have the best stories. They were still, they were still in the uh, in the era where it was down and dirty, and there was no social media. And 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 honestly, let's be clear: a lot of them lived hard lives because it was filled with the drinking and the drugging and the womanizing and stuff that honestly really doesn't exist in country music today. No, I was I, I've I've met them. I've met Bill. We've we've I've done the opera a few times and. That's where I got. I get to meet all these guys. But as far as sitting down and, and picking their brains and hearing some of their stories, I haven't. And I've heard some stuff through the grapevine, but not out of their their mouths. You know, it's uh, stories that I have heard are very interesting. Uh, and I'd love, I would love to sit down and and just soak it all in. But um, I've never, I, outside of just passing each other in the hall at the Opry, I, I haven't spent much time with them. You need to go up to John Conley and go, hey, I got this coffee shop. Why don't you come out there and let me buy you a latte? Let me buy you a latte. I, I can do that. Let me buy you a latte and you sit back and tell me what it was like and how you got into it. Because John Conley's another one of those country singers who we all remember rose colored glasses, but there was a ton of them that, that he had. Common Man. I mean, he really did. He was Craig Campbell before there was Craig Campbell. 
<laughs> I know. Well, he was, he was John Conley. And, um, but yeah, I, again, you know, that's, you talk about Glenn, you talk about John, you know, and we're all going to, hopefully in 30 years, somebody will look back and, and talk about my music the way we're talking about theirs. What's it like when you when you go in because you started off as a piano player, right? I mean that was that was that was where you came in when Mama sent you to, to Nashville with a couple of rolls of quarters, if I if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and 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 you started finding work playing playing on other people's stuff. Yeah, I mean that's it was easier for me to to introduce myself here in Nashville as a piano player as opposed to a singer because you know everybody here is a singer. I my goal my goal was to just be in Nashville and, and make money and pay my bills with music. Um, and the quickest route for me was to introduce myself as a piano player. So I picked up a lot of gigs. Uh, I played for Luke Brown for a little while. And then I got that Tracy Bird gig. That was pretty awesome. And then just here locally, I played for a lot of people. I played for John Barry at, the, at CMAs one year. I played for Ty Herndon, who's going to be here tonight uh, at Grindstone. Uh, I played for Jeannie Seeley at the Nashville Palace. Uh, just, you know, a hired gun. And it was a lot of fun. Lots of fun. Lots, some of my favorite memories in Nashville of just me being behind a piano. Ty Herndon at the Grindstone tonight. That's fun. Yeah. Get get a little get a little of uh, what mattered most up and stuff like that. Uh, and as I was sold out, sold out, we're going to have a good crowd tonight. I tell you, his, everybody remembers uh, had, but to me, the um, hands of a working man. That that's to me. That's that's Ty Herndon right there. That's that's the best thing. I've told him that before. Or or a man holding on to a woman letting go. Man holding on to a woman letting go. Shoot, you kidding me, dude? That that I mean, and that would fit right into you. You know, at some point you jump on stage with him, right? Come on now, you got to jump up on stage and go, hey, let me help you out over there. Everybody we have here, at Grindstone. If if they call me up, I'll get up. But I'm, you know, this is their show, and I'm I'm being a fangirl tonight. I'm I'm gonna sit back and and just gush at at, at all this because I still, you know, I saw Ty the other night. He sings as good as he's ever sang, and it's just I'm excited about it. Do you remember the first concert you went to? Yeah, I mean, I think the very first concert I ever went to that I remember was was uh was Brian White. Patty Loveless and Vince Gill um, in Statesboro, Georgia. And somehow or another, me and my buddy, we we ended up weaseling our way onto the grass, like in front of the stage. And it was uh it was one of the it was that when I saw Brian White, I was like, Yep, yep, I I wanna I wanna do that. And and what do we learn from Brian White? Don't sing when your throat hurts. I mean, Brian White, we, we thought so. he was going to be the biggest star in the world. We really did. And right, and he just kept trying to push through when he ended up getting some vocal problems. And it it messed him up and set him back. Yeah. No, he's, you know, he played here last year. Just, you know, again, I've, I've been fortunate to get to know him on a, on a personal level. And we've, uh, he, uh, that was one of those nights. It's probably going to be a lot like tonight where I just sat back and was just like, just, in love, love with all the songs and the, and the singing, it was just it was good. Yeah, I, uh, I, I will, I will on my show. I'll, I'll have to cue up Rebecca Lynn every now and then, just cause I think it's just such. It is the definition of a sweet song. Yeah, Rebecca Lynn, uh, Tree of Hearts. A lot of people don't, you know. I'm, I, we can go deep with the Brown White stuff because I was a huge fan. Well, sitting on go, wasn't that Brown White? Sitting on go, so much for pretending. So much for pretending. 
someone else's star. Um, yeah, I, we can just go on and on. Yeah, and you know, and that's the thing. If if you if some of these names have been lost, and y'all should look at it. This is how I define Patty Loveless. There is no such thing as a bad Patty Loveless album. It doesn't exist. My favorite Patty Loveless record is that Mountain Soul record. Cheap whiskey. The dude. blue. You did. I had a couple of Travis Tritt duets. Uh, the stand up, uh, rise up Lazarus. It was just, it's probably one of my favorite records. Cheap whiskey. And, and I, first time I ever heard cheap whiskey, I heard Martina McBride do it. Now, listen, Martina McBride's Martina McBride, right? One of the most iconic voices in country music. But my world flipped when I heard Patty Loveless's version because Martina's got this big voice, but Patty can bring the pain. Patty can like deliver pain like nobody else. And we saw that on that award show where in Stapleton, you know, uh, about the coal mining thing. You understood what it means to be able to, you know, can, can, can you make the, you know, well, the old David Allen Coe song, The Ride, can you make them feel what you feel inside? And Patty, right. Patty can make you feel what you feel inside. All of it, feel everything. That's right. That's, you, you're absolutely right. That's, that separates, uh, separates the men from the boys. Yeah, and there's another situation where she had to take off at the height of her career because of vocal problems. I, I, I've always wondered what happened during those years because maybe we're better about it treating it now. As soon as, as soon as we see a problem, we know to shut it down and we have better treatments and stuff. I mean, I don't know about you, but because you have, I love your voice, but what I love about your voice is if somebody is good at it, they make it look easy and you make it look easy. You and Vince Gill make it look easy. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, I've been fortunate. I don't think anything's, I haven't had to deal with anything with my voice up to this point. I hope I never do, but uh, I appreciate I appreciate that. I appreciate the compliment. You know, my first concert was in, I believe it was 1970. I was in Red Level, Alabama. And no, you don't know where it's at. Uh, I don't know if people who live in Red Level, Alabama know where it's at. But on the, in the middle of a field that had just been plowed, they put a flatbed tractor, and on the back of the flatbed tractor was Porter Wagner and Dolly Parton. No kidding. And it was in early September. It had to be 90-something degrees, and Porter was there in his nudie suit, and Dolly had on the regalia. And the thing that I remember is I don't remember them sweating. Oh, I bet they were. Yeah, but I'm just saying, <laughs> the pros that they were, they never brought it up. Right? right. I mean, it was just, and what is the hardest thing to perform in? Is it, I mean, I would imagine you've done shows in 100 degree temperatures. I imagine you've done shows in 12 degree rain and wind. What is it if you sit back and said, okay, you got to pick one of these, which is the one you're going to go, okay, I'm going to avoid that no matter what. I'll do the other three, but I'm going to avoid that. Man, I think being super, super cold is the worst because you can't move your fingers. Uh, and you play guitar and play piano and stuff. Uh, but hot, being hot's crazy. I mean, I've, I've been on stage where it's been 125 degrees. And the, the deck, the deck where your feet are standing has been close to 150. And, and, and you, I've seriously thought the soles of my shoes were going to melt off. Um, uh, back when I was, that was when I was on the Willie Nelson tour. It, yeah, it was. I hate both of them, but I, I would prefer to play in the heat as opposed to playing in the cold. How hard is wind? I mean, on really windy days, how hard is that? Oh, honestly, ever since that Sugarland thing, you don't—we don't even go out if it's windy. 
you know, it's just, um, you know, if it's, if the wind is bad, then they'll, they'll cancel the show now. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And if y'all don't know about the Sugarland show, the stage collapsed and it was, it was just a tragedy and stuff like that. That's, I think, I think we've gotten better because it used to be the show goes on no matter what. I mean, and a lot of problems always happen when the show goes on no matter what. People forget about the, remember the Who concert in Cleveland where people got trampled? What they don't realize is the show kept going. They didn't, they didn't cancel the show, you know, where now we'd go, yeah, we're done. Yeah, uh, we're gonna we're gonna po- at least ca- postpone it for a few hours and let this let this storm pass, or they'll cancel it all together. But yeah, we don't go on stage if it's if it's lightning, if it's windy. Yeah, people people don't realize how good the piano player Luke Bryant is, do they? No, no, Luke Luke's a really good player. Like he he uh, definitely can accompany himself, but you know he he grew up kind of like I did, um. In church, so like one of the first times I saw Luke play piano was at his mama's house. Uh, he just sat down and started playing all them hymns, and it was like, okay, okay, I see what you're doing. <laughs> was was it was it through up not uh, osmosis? I have a cousin who used to play in church, and she didn't know how to read music. She would just play, right? Which is yep. a God given talent. But can you do that? Did, was that where it started? Yeah, I can't read music. Luke can't read music either. Uh, it's just you know I had. I picked them out, picked out the melody and when I first started and then had a couple of people show me some chords and, and just kind of just taught myself how to play. And I, Luke's done the same thing. You realize that's a weird skill to have each hand do something different. Oh, yeah. And I'm not great at it. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are way better than me at it. But uh, it's it truly is a, a complicated like to separate you, the old saying, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. And <laughs> that, uh, it definitely is a, a, a piano thing. Well, it's 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 just I I love the art of performing, right? I I love you guys who can get up on stage. When did when did you lose the fear? And I'm not saying I I appreciate nervousness, right? Because nervousness, I always tell my kids, if I'm nervous, it means I'm sharp and I'm going to do a good job. But there's a big difference between nervous and fear. Did you ever have fear? And if you did, when did you get over that? Yeah, I don't know if I ever had any fear of. Um, I craved it. I've always craved being on stage playing and singing. Uh, I, I don't know how that makes me sound, but I just, I've always wanted to be, I always wanted the eyes on me, you know, it's, it's, and so I love, I've never had fear. I mean, you know, I've been, I've been nervous a few times. Uh, I played piano at the CSAC Awards a couple of years ago. Uh, we did a tribute to Kenny Rogers and I played Lady and he was, he was there and I didn't know it. Uh, that, uh, but I was super nervous then. But that, as far as being fear, scared, no, I've never had that. Now, see, that because that, that's the dichotomy. And I, I've got this theory. There's entertainers and there's performers. Entertainers, you sound like an entertainer. Garth Brooks is an entertainer. It's all about your experience as far as the audience's experiences. I'm going to try to give you the best experience you've had. A performer, it's about their experience that you're sharing. And I don't mean it to sound like a pejorative. The Grateful Dead... We're performers. You know, Fish is a performer. Stapleton is a performer. Uh, Barbara Streisand, Adele, they're performers. It's about you sharing in the experience that I'm going to have right now. Uh, and so it, it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't surprise me when you say you have no fear because there have been so many country singers who've had fear. I don't know if Alan Jackson ever got comfortable. Right. And, and and that's not a knock against Alan Jackson because he's absolutely amazing. But it's different about 
you and Garth and Thomas Rhett and, you know, those guys are like, just get me on stage. I don't care. Yeah. Just get me on stage. Yeah, I, I would agree with you about the Allen thing. I've I've heard he's always to the to this day. He's, he's never been comfortable on stage. Well, and and, and you've seen it before. I mean, uh, uh, Trisha Yearwood had to overcome it. I remember when she first came out, she was scared to death, you know, and now you look at her and it helps being married to Garth Brooks. I get it. Sooner or later, it's going to, you know, the osmosis is going to grab you. Yeah. And that's going to help. We're going to come back right after this. It's time to think differently when it comes to your parties, meetings, and groups. The catering from Havana Cuba Restaurant in downtown San Jose. Instead of the same old, same old, how about the most delicious Cuban sandwich you've ever had? You're tired of fries? Plantains, my friends, they'll change your world. And here's something you didn't know. Havana Cuba was voted one of the top 10 tamales in the entire South Bay. They have vegan, vegetarian, and gluten-free options, and their website is 998cuba.com. They're located at 387 South 1st Street in downtown San Jose. It's Habana, Cuba. Let's talk about the inevitable. End of life. Once I leave this earth, I can't do anything for my loved ones. But I've just learned by pre-planning a funeral or cemetery in advance takes the guesswork out when death occurs suddenly and your mind is clouded with grief. Dignity Memorial can help. My friend Tina Scurla pre-plans funeral and cemetery arrangements so loved ones don't have to. They're North America's largest provider of funeral, cremation, and cemetery services. They're dedicated to getting every detail right, and they do that by listening to you. I know it's a hard subject, but I also know we all see the sense and value of what Dignity Memorial does. Use the promo code Gary to get 25% off at Willow Glen Funeral Home. Reach out to my friend Tina Scurla today. She's committed to helping families not go through the tragedy of loss alone. Click on the link, use the promo code Gary, or email her at dmppatinascurla.com or call 408-398-7050. The, everybody can go over the the Craig Campbell hits and stuff, but is there a better feeling than when the audience starts singing the song back to you? I mean, when they when they know every word to Outskirt the Heaven and and Family Man and Fish. I mean, I've never been on stage and had that happen. What is that like? Oh, it's the best. I mean, that's that's again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about craving the the attention and craving the. The uh, eyes on me, and but it's just it's just the icing on the cake. Whenever you whenever you do a song that you wrote or that you recorded, and, and you poured your heart and soul into it, and then people loved it enough to to first of all learn the words, and then second of all buy a ticket to your show, and then sing it back to you. I mean, it's just that's it. That's what we. That's, that's what it's all about. Well, when somebody shares you with shows me that moment of what you know because you put a song out i, I remember uh talking to justin moore one time and he goes somebody came up and and said thank you for singing for those who didn't come back and do it. it was a it was a very emotional thing and he goes i was just kind of he goes i just wanted to go man it was just me singing a song i'm so glad it meant something to you but but i didn't write it and stuff like that he goes but i felt a responsibility because i gave them that that memory I gave them that moment. And with you, Outskirts of Heaven, a lot of people are, I mean, that you've had to have so many stories about people who shared that with you and shared what it meant for a past member or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, I, I guess Outskirts would probably be the, the most uh, response I've gotten like from, from fans about how it, it's helped them get through tough situations about losing somebody that they loved. And, 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 but be, and this song gives them peace at knowing that they're, in the place that I'm talking about, you know, and, uh, and it's, yeah, it's a good thing. It validates me the, the, 
lot of work that I'm in. Well, and it's it, anything in the entertainment industry, you're going to be dealing with a lot more rejection than you are going to be at acceptance. Uh, I mean, you, you want to talk about, and there's not many people who do what you do who don't have a lot of character. You know how that Bill character story goes around? Yeah. <laughs> you, well, it's, it's a definitely a humbling business. Uh, whenever you are on, it's such a roller coaster for me, at least I've, I've had the highs of highs and the low of lows and, and multiple times each. And, uh, it's, it's, it's frustrating whenever you feel like, you know, at the end of the day, your music is a product, uh, on a commercial level. So whenever you feel like you're, you have a really, really good product, but you're not, your product isn't selling as well as the, the product on the next shelf that you, you you don't think is as good as yours, it's, it's frustrating. And I know it's all subjective and it's, it's all debatable. And, uh, but you know, it, it's frustrating whenever you, you see certain people having tons and tons of success and then you can't, you can't even get a top 20 song, uh, out, out of a song like outskirts. Well, it's, it's so damn subjective. That's what I, 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 I'll name drop in this. I remember, I remember sitting in an office back before Kenny Chesney was Kenny Chesney and him asking, you know, what, what do you think you got to do? And I, I remember looking at, you know, Nate, Julie, and I, and I remember looking at Julie and going, hell dude, if we knew the answer to that, we wouldn't be talking to you. <laughs> yeah. We'd be in a mansion somewhere. We'd, we'd be on a private island is what we'd be doing yeah. because, because you don't know. You don't. And even, even today, like right now, this, this, you know, social media stuff is, um, as simple as pouring your heart and soul into making content and doing a video and, and, and it don't, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't reach many people, but then you do something stupid where you trip and you fall down a set of stairs and then you post it and then it goes viral. It's like, what, what, why does that, how does that work? And then, but then again, you know, if we knew we'd all be, We'd all be on that private island. And then you can't you can't make the mistakes of you can't make the mistake of chasing the viral. No, you but you can try. Yeah. There are trend with, but it's uh it's just a trend that you jump on. It's not like, but as far as chasing virality, it's it's yeah, same way with music. If if you are, you know, over here like me and you're looking over there and you see Florida Georgia Line or or Hardy doing what they do and they're being crazy successful, if if I were to jump out of my lane and try to chase that down, then that that's, that, that would be a disaster. Now, see, that's, that's called experience right there. If you're new in the music business, that's called experience right there. He just gave you a free lesson. He just, gave, <laughs> he just, Craig Campbell just taught you something that it took they, him years to learn. Yeah. But, uh, I, hey, I, I gotta tell you, I, uh, I know this song. I, I found this song about two days ago and I've been excited about talking to you. But God in the ground she walked on. Man, that's a special one. Um, I heard that song probably twenty years ago, and I was down on Lower Broadway, and I heard I heard I I didn't hear him sing it, but the guy was he was selling CDs, and it was a buddy of mine, so I took the CD. I didn't pay for it, uh, and put it in my truck, and was just flipping through the songs, and then that song came on God in the ground she walked on, and and I literally had to pull over. Uh, so then I signed my record deal with bigger picture, and, but they didn't love it as much as I did. That, so we didn't record it on the first record. Didn't, did I, I brought it up again, didn't record it for the second record, brought it up again, uh, finally recorded it for that third record, but then the record label closed. 
So then I signed with Broken Bow. I brought it up. No, no, we're not doing that. So finally, now that I'm independent, and I, it was the first song that I that I knew for a, without a shadow of a doubt was going to be on this album. Uh, and that's a testament, you know, to that song and the fact that after all these years, I still love it as much as I loved it the first time I heard it. Well, and I, I think I think it's a greater a greater love story than Romeo and Juliet. I uh, I literally sent it to, as you know, I I sent it to to uh, Nate and Julie, saying, "I y'all this this," and and you know the way we've done stuff here at Caratuli in San Jose, where where I've been forever, is if if we buy in, we're in. We don't care what anybody else does, you know? right? And. And so I'm just like I am. I am all about that. I just thought, I it is. It's such a, it's such a great love song, and it takes, it takes someone who can make you feel what they feel. Going back to Patty Loveless, and and you have that, feel what you feel. I mean, not everybody could sing Family Man. I mean, I'm just being honest. Not everybody could. They could not make it believable. They could not make it, they could not cover the emotions that a family encompasses. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. Uh, you know, that song's special too to me. Uh, I wrote it when I found out Mindy was pregnant and, and it's just where I was in my life. It just, I had to say that. And and then it came down to, you know, I get I get the opportunity to make uh, uh, a first impression on all of the people that listen to country radio. What song do I want to put out? And what do you want people to know about you? Family Man was that song. Yeah. Well, I can't imagine, you know, especially, with, I always wanted to ask you, how many times does somebody ask you to sing Almost Home? <laughs> not, not, you know, it's either that or, or you know, it, Harvester or, or um, all that. It, it's funny. It used to bother me, but then we all, you know, we did a show with Craig Morgan a while, while back and we were sitting and catering with his band and his band was like, y'all, Craig gets called Craig Campbell all the time. And I was like, yes, yes. That's why I brought it up because he sat back one night and he goes, man, don't y'all, nobody asked me to sing Outskirts to Heaven. If you do, I'll jump out this stage and we'll fight. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It's like, yeah, it's, it's all there. Well, I'm telling you, if uh, you guys need to look up that song, uh, God in the Ground She Walked On, and be ready to cry. I'm going to tell you, yeah. and it's an honest cry. It's not a, Lee Thomas Miller told me one time, he hates songs that are meant to make you cry, right? He wants a song that will just instill an emotion in you, and you can see the story, and then you have the reaction to the story. And, yeah. and I think that's why that song works so dang well. And, and, and Outskirts of Heaven, same way, because it'll cause an emotional reaction, but it doesn't take you by the hand and go, come here and cry. No, it's a, it's a, like you said, it's a great story. And it's, it's one that wraps you up right at the beginning of the song. And then it doesn't reveal to you the hook until the end of the course. And it's, it's like, and then you're like, wow, I didn't see that coming. Uh, and that's what I love about that song. Well, I, I am, we've been trying to, we've been trying to put this together forever. And, you know, he's got a sold out Ty Herndon show tonight. He's got to put together at his coffee shop. But if you're in Nashville, look for the grindstone cowboy. And, and yeah, and maybe you'll see him there. Look at that. Look at that. Maybe you'll see him there drinking lattes with John Conley one day. Maybe. That'd be great. Uh, maybe you will. Hey, 
let me know when that day happens and I'll catch a Southwest flight because I want to be there. All right, sounds good, my man. <laughs> Craig Campbell, buddy, thank you so much. Thanks for joining us this week. If you love this episode, please subscribe, download a few more episodes, and please leave a review. Reviews really help us get this out to more people like you. Also, we'd love to hear what your favorite part was. Be sure to join us on social media to engage in even more unexpected conversations. Until next time.